It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. And welcome back to another edition of the Locked On Wizards podcast. Ben Standig here. I am the host of this here podcast. Also write about the Wizards for NBCWashington.com and FanRag Sports. Also do a little bit of talking about the Wizards and college basketball on the Basketball in the DMV podcast, which you can find on Patreon.com. Um, so the Wizards, they start a five-game road trip today, as in Wednesday, at Charlotte, and they're doing so coming off of a disappointing two and three homestand. Uh, Monday's loss to Milwaukee put gave them a losing record. And there are a couple of couple of interesting things I, I think have sort of happened in the last say forty eight hours coming off of that game. One involves something the Wizards didn't do, and one involves something that is slightly mysterious to me at least as to what to what what happened and what didn't happen uh these are two things that i've written about that should be online but it's probably by the time you hear this um first thing we'll start with is regards to the two-way players uh the two-way contract obviously a new element this year in the world of the nba every nba team was given the opportunity to, to sign two players outside of the 15-man roster uh, obviously, from the Wizards, that meant Devin Robinson and Michael Young. Mike Young was released, though, a few days back, leaving Devin Robinson as the only player in that two-way spot. And the teams had until Monday to fill that spot. The Wizards were not the only team at that point to not have a, a, both of those spots filled. But as of the deadline, they were, I believe, the only team in the NBA to not have both of those spots filled. Um, what I was told and, and what Scott Brooks later confirmed was that basically the Wizards, they took a look, nothing jumped out to them, so they passed, knowing that, yes, they, uh, during the summer, they'll be able to bring in other two-way players as needed and uh, and go from there. Uh, it is a very curious maneuver to me, however, and it's one that ties in with what I've talked to you guys a lot about here on this podcast with regards to the back of the bench, that for a team that is talking about contending in the East, that Wizards, from a roster construction standpoint, are not going all in with their opportunities. Now, when I say roster construction, I don't mean Jan Mahimi's contract. That's a separate issue in this discussion. I don't mean Jody Meeks's contract and and uh, the fact that he's been struggling this year. I'm just simply talking about you have 15 roster spots and it's, and these two-way players. That's an opportunity for 17 players on your team. 
Now, not every team uses all 15 uh, roster spots on the NBA front because, look, the reality is, if you, especially for teams that are spending a lot of money up front, as the Wizards are, the Wizards have, I believe, fifth or sixth, fifth highest payroll in the league, uh, I believe, last time I looked. The, it may not make sense to pay a veteran minimum salary to the player who probably isn't going to play much. I mean, realistically, when you look at the Wizards roster, for example, at most, Scott Brooks has gone with 12 men this year, right? He's essentially had a nine man, a 10-man rotation with Jason Smith and Tim Frazier, uh, the odd man out of late. Earlier in the season, Sadoransky was the odd man out. But for the most part, um, that, that's the way it's been, right? Now, that said, the, the, the last three roster spots, Chris McCullough, who is essentially been a non-factor this year, and the Wizards didn't pick up his contract option, so presumably he's not part of their long-term plans. Sheldon Mack, nice kid. I, I, I would have liked to have seen him play a little bit more last year, and if he was healthy now, I think he could maybe give them some boost as a defensive contributor. But that said, he doesn't seem, he seemed like he would be the type of player who would be a two-way player, and yet the Wizards have kept him on the roster all season, and the, even though he has a season-ending Achilles injury. And the reason seemingly is, nobody has come out and said this, but the reason seemingly is because the cost since the Wizards are already into paying the luxury tax, the cost to replace Mac and then bring in somebody else would be a, a little over $2 million, and that's going to be more than the Wizards are going to want to pay. Okay. Then on top of it, they also have just a flat-out empty roster spot. So that gives you – that may, basically means that Scott Brooks is really only working with a 12-man rotation. I mean, McCullough has not played, I don't believe, any real meaningful minutes. There was that Sixers game where they were getting destroyed and – Brooks had enough with the main players. He let McCullough get in there with some of the bench guys, and he was on the court when they came back. But that's about the only game in which he's played really at all, and that was sort of you know quasi garbage time. It was just early. So he's basically dealing with the twelve man roster, and then he's only got one two way player to go to in Robinson, who was up recently with the team, but now was sent back down. Um, to be part of the G League uh, showcase, which is fine. I mean, Devin Robinson is probably not ready to, to truly contribute. And all of this, in and of itself, the two-way player aspect that they didn't pick up the second spot, I would find bothersome, to say the least. I, you guys know I've been very excited about this whole two-way thing. It's a, it's a true step towards the G League becoming a minor league system for, for these players. So it's not just the young players on your team, who can go down there, but it's now you can build, you can start building some depth. And the whole point of building up depth, there's two factors. One, it's long term. Hey, can we get this player over time to be able to contribute? But it's also similar if you think about it like baseball. Hey, we need a fifth starter today. Oh, the backup catcher is hurt. We need another catcher. Somebody for, from a depth perspective. That teams around the league have been using that. The Los Angeles Clippers, who are, you know, surging of late now that Blake Griffin and uh, Milos Teodosic are back from injuries, but they stayed alive, as the Wizards saw when they lost to them out in Los Angeles. They stayed alive in part because they were using these players from the G League uh, a lot. They've been using some of these guys a fair amount. I mean, of course, um, the Atlanta Hawks can already converted Tyler Kavanaugh, the former GW standout, into a standard contract after he impressed them enough as a two-way player. They may this, These situations may be... Uh, maybe outside the norm, just saying that it's conceivable that players could come in and help you. And 
So just again, at a base level, to not use a two-way player, to take advantage of any opportunity you have to take a shot, to look at a player. They did that with Michael Young. That's that's fine. But to not do it now here at the end, I, I just don't quite understand that. And let's not forget this. The Wizards, because their salary cap situation is what it is, they don't have a lot of flexibility. They're also a team that over the last four years have traded away almost all of their picks. Only Kelly, Kelly Uber is the only uh, potential draft pick that the Wizards had in the last four years who's played with the team. So this is an opportunity to add a player on the cheap who maybe by next year can be actually be on your roster, but if nothing else, can help you out now. And now I bring this back around because when, you go, when we look at the regular team, there are some things going on that I, I would suggest they could really use another two-way player right about now. And it has to do with the fact that Scott Brooks has benched Jody Meeks, right? I mean, the last three games, Jody Meeks, two DNPs, and one game he played only five minutes. Now, look, Jody Meeks is shooting around 30% from three. That was supposed to be his strength. It has not played out that way. Defensively, he's not a help. And, uh, you know, he was averaging 15.8 minutes a game, and Brooks said, you know what, let me go elsewhere. Totally, totally acceptable. We can deal with the Jody Meeks signing aspect some other day. It's not working out right now. The problem, though, as I see it, is that Scott Brooks didn't replace them. He didn't replace Jody Meeks with another player. He just took the minutes and gave them to other players, namely John Wall and Bradley Beal. Now, obviously, using those two guys more minutes is hardly a bad thing, right? They're the best two players on the team. That's great. You want them to play more, but uh, here's the thing. In this five-game homestand, these two guys played 40 minutes a game, right? That's a jump up from from where they were, and in fact, in that span, only five NBA players total averaged over 38 minutes. The other three all played for the Pelicans. I'm not sure what's going on, what's going on with them. Maybe they had some tight games, overtimes. I don't know what, but that, that was it. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up-to-date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And now let's remember what happened in this five-game homestand. The two games against Milwaukee, both losses, both kind of went the same way. The game was tied or the Wizards had a slight lead in the final minutes, only for Milwaukee to go on a good run and close out the game. The Bucks had an 11-0 run in Monday's game to finish that off. In the Brooklyn game, the Wizards had a 23-point lead. The game ended up going to overtime. Brooklyn made a bunch of shots late. Fortunately, the Wizards were able to pull it away in overtime. The Orlando Magic, maybe it wasn't so much of a late issue, but they weren't able to put that team away either. And, you know, is it is it fair to wonder about tired legs? I, I, I think that's fair. I mean, look, in the recent in the Monday game against Milwaukee, Wall and Beal each played 41 minutes. It was the third game in four days for the Wizards. Now, I know they're both young men and they're in very good shape, but they're going up against other young men who are in very good shape. So any amount of tiredness or whatever <laughs> is different for them versus if you and I are playing a pickup game, right? Now, in the Milwaukee game, John Wall started the game 6 of 10. 
he then missed 11 of his next 12 shots. Bradley Beal went 0 for 4 in the fourth quarter, and over the last seven games, you've heard me talk about this now, he's 3 for 27 from the field, and he has not made a three-pointer. I want to say he's 0 for 14 from three. Now, the tired leg aspect of it, let's even say they all discount that, because they probably would, right? If, we, if, we, if confronted with that, hey, are you guys tired playing these minutes? They'd probably say, no, they're not. Of course, they all want to play more. But even if that isn't the case, playing these guys 40 minutes a game is not sustainable for the rest of the season. Uh, that, that, that's, that, that, that's just, you know, look, you need, it isn't just to get to the playoffs. You want to get to the playoffs at the best seed you can. You need to be in the best physical shape you can as well. Once you're there, playing these guys 40 minutes a game won't, won't work. Now, again, this is only a five game sample and we'll see what Brooks does now that they're on the road for a five game stretch. And I believe it's eight of the next 10 games are on the road. So it's going to be a little bit harder in theory to play these guys as many minutes just because of the travel and, and all that. But the thing is, where would he go? even go? He benches Jody Meeks, now what? Tim Frazier is the only other guard on the team, and Tim Frazier is not a two-guard. So if you brought in Tim Frazier, you would be moving Sadoransky to the two, and that's not working. We've already seen that not work this year. Sadoransky has been playing some of the two now with John Wall. That's a different scenario because obviously John Wall is simply a better player, and uh, you know it's still not ideal to play Sadoransky off the ball, but he's showing more ability to do that. But that's with a wall. That's not with Tim Frazier. But the thing is, again, Brooks doesn't have anywhere else to go. So this goes back to the two-way aspect. If you signed a two-way player, right, by Monday's deadline, who was a, a wing guard, a shooter, a defender, something along those, a perimeter defender, something like that, you know, you could bring that player up now. And if you're really not convinced that Jody Meeks can help you, maybe you put this put this kid in. I understand. I'm not suggesting that this is the this is this one player, this two way player will will be the difference between the Wizards uh, getting to the Eastern Conference Finals or not. But I will say that to 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 keep playing these guys as many minutes as they're playing is not ideal, and to not ha- fill out the roster in the best way you possibly can seems it is frustrating to me to know that you can take advantage of this two-way thing both for the short and long term and they're not doing it and right and they're not doing it at a point when they're having to play John Wall and Bradley Beal even more minutes because they don't have enough depth seemingly that Scott Brooks wants to use right now behind them. Something to consider. I wrote more about this. You can check it out on fanragsports.com. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up-to-date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, now, as far as Otto Porter goes, there's been talk about his game of late, and understandably so, right? I mean, the more expectations on Otto Porter this year with his new uh, four-year, $106 million contract. And for the most part of the season, he's been living... He's been loving up to it. He was top 10 in three-point shooting, one of the most effective, efficient players in the league, leading the Wizards in three-point shooting, third-leading scorer, doing a lot of good things, not to mention those subtle winning plays that don't often come up uh, you know, in, in a box score that we talk about here <coughs> a lot. But 
he has not been the same player since uh, we, we hit 2018. And I wrote about this for FanRag Sports. It should be up again, as I said shortly. The other, the, the, the two-way players up on NBC Washington. But as far as the Otto Porter thing goes, it came up over the weekend, or, or sorry, it came up after Monday because of some comments from Scott Brooks and John Wall. Let me play those for you right now and then talk about that on the other side. First off, here's me asking Scott Brooks. I guess let me, well, yeah, here's me asking Scott Brooks about John Wall and Bradley Beal, the amount of shots they're taking, and interesting how he responds to this, brings it back to Otto Porter. Here we go, Scott Brooks after the Wizards' loss to Milwaukee. Yeah, obviously you want John Brad taking shots. They've been, seems like they've been taking more of your total team shots the last few games. So maybe somewhere around like 50%. Is that a good number for you guys or is it more balanced a little? Yeah, I mean, it could be, I mean, Kelly got nine, Otto got, you know, eight, six. We like to get Otto more, but Otto has to help himself get more. You know, the bottom line is Otto needs to get himself open and, 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 and be ready to catch and shoot and, you get more shots. All right, so there we go, uh, Scott Brooks. Now, so first and foremost, like I said, I thought it was interesting. I asked the question about Wall and Beal, and I believe I mentioned this on the podcast I did the other day with Todd Divas and Adam Rubin, but the but the fact is the, those two are taking a lot more shots lately. Now, in the in the last five games, they are averaging about – 48% of the Wizards' field goal attempts. Actually, if you give me half a second here, I will pull up the number. They're taking, sorry, 49.5% of the Wizards' field goal attempts in the homestand. In the previous 12 games, which were the 12 games when when John Wall first came back from his injury, they were taking 38.4% of Washington's field goal attempts. The Wizards went 9-3 and three in that stretch. They went... Two and three in the last five games. You can, you know, not saying one necessarily led to the other, but I think there's maybe some explanation there for the change in record. That look, it's also fair to say that Otto Porter is uh, not doing his part right now. He's only shooting in the month of January 20% from three. He's shooting 38% from the field. He's averaging 8.8 points per game, whereas on the season he's at 13.9. So all his numbers. His offensive numbers essentially are all down and down by a substantial amount. Now, look at him running around out there. He's dealing with his hip injury. And uh, that has to be some factor, I would think, going into this. But interesting that Brooks essentially moved past that and just focused on that he needs to get more out of Otto Porter. Now, here's John Wall with uh, after Brooks said that. John Wall was posed the question up off of Brooks's comments, talking about Otto Porter, and here, here's what he had to say. Since um, Otto's come back from a hip injury, he hasn't um, scored over double digits, um, I think, in like four of the last five games. What are you seeing? I think just him just trying to find a rhythm. You know, I mean, it's kind of very tough. You know, me dealing with it, he sees always on the bike trying to keep himself loose at times. Um, we try to do a better job of just getting as many shots as possible as we can at times. It's kind of hard because sometimes he's out there then. He's coming out very early, and then he's playing with the second unit a lot. But uh, we just got to do a better job of just trying to get out of the ball. We also have to do a better job of just being aggressive itself when you get it. So, you know, look, John mentioned the injury there. I talked to Wall on the side after this, and, yeah, he also 
you know, in talking about this, said, "Hey, yeah, absolutely." I mean, Otto's he doesn't think Otto is is a hundred percent right. That seems pretty obvious to me. And you know, again, I, I, when we we've talked about this all year, even without the, the 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 injury aspect, this sort of give and take of does Otto have to be more aggressive or do they have to get him the ball more? It's a tough call, but at the end of the day, I I still tend to side on he's not the one. When they're when the starters are all out there, he's not the one dominating the ball. Others are, and the reality is, in these last five games, I mentioned Wall and Beal taking a lot more shots. It really actually is only John Wall. Bradley Beal's field goal percentages or field goal attempts are identical. John Wall's though has have gone up significantly. Now in these, let me actually back this up for one for one second here. You know, Otto Porter wasn't taking that many shots. Uh, before the, uh, the he, during the 12 game stretch, Otto Porter wasn't taking a ton of shots. He was only taking 9.2. So the, the, him not taking a lot of shots has been going on for some time. We're only sort of talking about it more now, I think, because the Wizards going two and three, right? But when they were nine and three, we weren't talking about it as much. He also was hitting 44.3% of his threes, and now he's you know, missing them all. But John Wall in the 12 game stretch was taking 14.8 attempts per game in the five game homestand that number drum jumped dramatically to 22.6 and so when I asked Brooks that question and I at that point I had not realized it was more wall than Beal but nonetheless when I asked Brooks that question it was to sort of say does it feel like the ball is not you know you happy with the two guys your main two guys taking the shots all the shots and he turns it into auto but when you look at the numbers Otto actually isn't the one affected. It's other people. In the difference between that 12-game and that 5-game spans, Ubre's shots have dropped from uh, – he's, he's taking 2.2 less shots per game. Uh, Markeith Morris, 1.9. Mike Scott, who is tied with Otto now for the Wizards' three-point percentage leader, he, his shot attempts have dropped from 8.6 to 4.2. So it seems to – now, part of this also is that Wall and Beal are playing more minutes, as I talked about before. So they're going to – but out of the court more, you're going to get more shots. But the fact that the distribution is going towards the two of them and not away from the other group, to me, that seems like the bigger issue than it does where Otto Porter is. Again, if Otto Porter is making the shots, even the limited ones he's maybe taking, we're having a different story and the Wizards are probably winning some of these games. So I guess to me, it's more about where are we at with Otto Porter's health? Why is he missing the shots? And then we go back to the original question that we always have is, do they have to get him the ball more, or does he need to be more aggressive? Uh, you, I'm just looking at this five-game stretch where they go two and three, and you see the point guard taking more shots, to me it seems like that is more of the issue than Otto Porter. I only get by issue. I don't mean John Wall is a terrible player. I just mean the Wizards, we talked about this a bunch before, the Wizards are better off over the last year and a half when the shots are being distributed it's sort of like when Wall and Beal are taking the, the, the good, the, the sweet spots, like they're taking around 41% of the attempts. When they were taking less than that here, it wasn't an issue. They're taking more than that. It's become an issue. So I think that's something to, uh, to keep an eye on here. And by the way, just to talk about Porter, while his numbers have been down, you know, I, even if he's dealing with an injury, he averaged 36 minutes a game over these last four, which is four minutes above his season average. 2.2 steals per game in that stretch. That's totally good. You know, there's been some individual moments in, in that Brooklyn game. He took a big charge late against Karis Levert. 
Um, and also, here's another one. We talk about net rating a lot. No, None of these stats are perfect, but if you look at net rating, in the four games he auto-played in this homestand, his was 10.3. All the other starters were underwater. All of them were negative. The, the second second to him was Mahimi, who was in the sixes. So Otto Porter is doing something right. If whatever you want to factor in for net rating, his presence on the court is not hurting the Wizards in that sense. Maybe there's other senses, but for whatever reason, he's not getting as many. He, The sense, apparently from the head coach, is that he needs to do more to get more shots. Not going to say Brooks is wrong, but I would just point to the other numbers that that are going into this that maybe point to the Porter shots are not the issue. The distribution as a whole is maybe the issue. All right, so that said, the Wizards are getting back at it tonight at Charlotte. The Hornets have been kind of a mess of a team uh, this year, which is kind of disappointing, to be honest. I thought they had a chance to compete, but oh, shocker, they got Dwight Howard, and Dwight Howard is not very good. Uh, but I say that they're 6-4 and four in their last 10 games. They are eight games under 500, though, five games out of the out of the uh, playoff spot, which, by the way, the Detroit Pistons now own the eighth spot. Remember where they were in second place in the East? Yeah, they've dropped to eighth. The Wizards, game and a half out of third, but three out of ninth. So still got plenty of room to do, uh, work to do, but if they could get on the hot streak here at some point, things we've been saying for weeks and weeks and weeks, they could move up fairly quickly, I would think. All right, let's... Uh, Let's end it there. Uh, back with more Locked on Wizards podcasts this week. I will be honest with you. I don't know if I'm going to do one after the Charlotte game. I've got uh, some other responsibilities going on, but we'll see what happens. Um, I've been a little under the weather as well. Not that you guys care about that, but, you know, just being honest. So, anyway, let's end it there. Thanks so much for listening. Check me out on Twitter, at Ben Sandig. Check out my other podcast, Basketball in the DMV. You can find that on Patreon.com forward slash Ben Standing. I do a lot of college basketball talk there as well as some Wizards talk. So, until next time. Neal gets open for three. Dagger! Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.